0: I'm living in Frankfurt and we've got the European Championships in Ironman in Frankfurt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, it's in July and um, maybe in the last 10 years we had five to six editions with uh, with a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've seen so many athletes struggling in, in the heat. They did great work in, in the ramp up uh, to to Ironman Frankfurt,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and but the, then struggling in the heat. Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew. And I'm Michael. And this is the Endurance Innovation Podcast.
2: Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Endurance Innovation. Andrew is away today for uh, work conflict reasons, which seem to be a a fairly common occurrence these days now that uh, things are starting to open up a little bit in Canada and uh, uh, now some of us have to go into the office. What a drag. But uh, we have an awesome guest today for everyone, Um, and this is a a topic that, as you you listeners know, is very near and dear to our heart, and that specifically is... uh, Something to do with uh, thermal stress and heat training. But before we get into that, uh, I want to introduce the guest today, of course. And that is um, Mario... Uh, Schmidt-Wendling from Sisu Training. So Mario's history is uh, goes back quite a ways. He uh, started out as a professional cyclist uh, and was on the junior triathlon team in Germany as well. And then since uh, 2004, he's been coaching uh, cyclists and triathletes through Sisu. And I um, believe it was 2018, he was also the head coach of the para-triathlon team for Germany And uh, for quite some time now, Mario's had uh, a keen interest in studying the effects of thermal stress on uh, training and racing and uh, doing some really interesting work in uh, figuring out how to mitigate those effects. And that's uh, really why we wanted to have him on the show. And also shout out to um, Christopher Jones from CORE, uh, who's been on the show in the past for making the connection here, because we were looking for that expert to speak to um, this very, you know, topical and very interesting topic for us. So Mario, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the show. And uh, as a as a, a starting point, why don't you tell us please um, what it was about thermal, Stress and heat training that uh, drew you know drew you in and made you spend as much time and, uh, and effort as you have.
0: Yeah, first of all, thanks thanks for the invitation, Michael. Um, My pleasure. I'm the German the German guy. So so I'm not a <laughs> native English speaker. Maybe maybe but, but hopefully your listeners will will understand me.
2: We've had a lot of a lot of you, you your countrymen on the show, and I think they've they've contributed so much to it. So we're we're happy to have another one on
0: okay oh, hopefully i can can uh, can make it at the same same level like them um yeah yeah I, I i observed in maybe in 2009 2010 was the first time when i when i was thinking about helping athletes to um, to resist a little bit more the heat because in germany we've got the the european championships in frankfurt the ironman championships Mm-hmm. With uh, usually in July this year in August um, because of COVID, but um, in July usually we have around thirty to thirty-five degrees. In two thousand nineteen, the edition had uh, over forty degrees. It was hotter than Kona this year. Wow! And and so I've seen so many athletes struggling in the heat, and uh, yeah, it's some kind of sad because they they worked their, their asses off in the, in the, in the training, the, the ramp up to, to that competition yeah. and, um, and uh, then they, they struggled in the heat and so I, I tried to implement some heat resistance strategies and um, I was thinking first of all maybe of sodium because if an athlete is trained very well he, he did a good tapering strategy, he was loaded with, uh, with carbs he had a conservative pacing and he had um, some some um uh, quite quite right amount of carbs in the race why why should an athlete like this struggle mm-hmm. and um first of all i had some some ideas about sodium and i was uh, researching uh, about the topic and um yeah sodium had an influence maybe can we can come back we to that we definitely will <laughs> and um yeah <laughs> And, and so I, I really created some interest and wanted to go into the depth of that um, uh, topic because thanks to global warming, um, there are so, so, many, so many races uh, in these days in hot and humid conditions, mm-hmm. uh, not only in Germany, or in, in, in Frankfurt, in Kona, in Asia, and all over the world. So there, there are definitely some cold races, but the, the, I think the, the bigger amount of, of races, it's, uh, it's in hot conditions. And you have to, to face it and have to, to deal with it. And um, you can't eliminate the heat stress, but you can definitely mitigate it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this is the, the way I was trying to help out my athletes.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great introduction. And I think from, um, you know, uh, listeners, Mario is, of course, a coach and uh that's that's sort of the you know the, the mo of coaches. We we're trying to help our athletes as much as possible. Before we started recording, we talked about how um, on on the show we sometimes have sports scientists and we sometimes have um, folks in the industry who are making products and uh, and then of course we have coaches like Mario. And coaches are probably the most interested in in actually you know finding a solution, whether it be training, which we'll talk about, nutrition, which we'll talk about, or maybe even some equipment, which we probably will touch on as well in this conversation, where we. Can, we can help you guys do better, and in this case, spe- our specific focus, as as we've talked about, is going to be uh, thermal stress. So, before we launch into the, all of those uh, potentially very useful interventions, let's talk about. Uh, and very, you know, kind of high level, Mario. Because we have covered this topic on the show before. What is it about uh, thermal stress? Uh, so, by that I mean, you know, training and racing in hot conditions that uh, that is, makes it harder for us. I mean that 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 make that means that we can't quite produce the same power, or the same speed as we could in cooler conditions. Um and we've covered this quite a bit uh, as you know listeners on the show so fairly high level what's going on inside the body that uh, that makes it so much harder for us
0: Yeah yeah maybe a little bit f- a flashback to a, to another episode of of your podcast I'm I'm a frequent sure. listener Um, um yeah I'm, it's it's famous in Germany as well um, oh, good. <laughs> so so if if you if you doing a muscular activity your body is producing heat so maybe it's only an efficiency of 25 percent 75 percent of the energy is blown away in in, in terms of heat mm-hmm. and so and if there is an external stressor like heat from 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 from, uh, from the weather conditions on top your body has to deal with a lot of stress so it's stress in, even in 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 moderate, moderate temperatures but with higher temperatures it's it's stress on top especially if it's humid if it's humid and uh, your body your body isn't able to, to sweat as as much as he should mm-hmm. um, so the heat production is, is definitely a, a, a big a big problem so and if you if you want to to dissipate maybe that heat out of the body mm-hmm. you, you have to sweat and for, for for sweating you need sodium because if you Sweat is nothing, nothing else than than blood plasma. Blood okay. plasma is getting transported to the to to the, to the skin, and um, and uh, because of evaporation, it's it's uh, it helps us cooling the system or the body. Sure. So you need some some fluid. You need the water, and but it, but it's um, for getting the water back into the blood system to expand the the blood plasma volume. You. Know, you need sodium. Sodium, just because of a, a, a receptor, it's called sodium glucose linked transporter one (SGLT1).
2: And is that in um, the somewhere in the GI tract that we that you find it, that it, transporter? It's,
0: yeah, it's in, in the in the stomach. Yeah. Okay, and it's, yeah. Um, it's you can you can think of it like a like a door opener.
1: Hmm, okay. And,
0: um, and so so the the sodium opens the the membrane. And uh, fluids, not only fluid and carbs, this is because it's sodium-glucose-linked transporter one,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, has a chance to, to um, stream into the, the blood, uh, blood system again. So if there isn't, if there isn't enough uh, sodium in the, in the nutrition, you wouldn't have any chances to get some fluids and carbs back where it should be in the blood system.
2: So you're of the you're of the uh, position, and I've heard this before from really smart people like uh, Andy Blow of uh, Precision Hydration when he was on the show. Um, that the fluid that you drink primarily the function of the fluid that you drink. And correct me if I'm wrong is primarily to replenish as much of the blood plasma that's lost in sweat as possible. It's not necessarily a vehicle for carbohydrates. It's mostly there just so that you can, you know, especially in warm condition warm to hot conditions, it's to replenish that blood plasma to the maximal extent possible. Is that is that how you feel about
0: it? That's that's correct yeah and okay, great. I'm, I'm working with andy blow together because he, i'm mm-hmm. using uh, precision hydration i'm the precision hydration guy from from germany there's only one it's me it's some kind of sad because it's a it's a very very important topic because of hy- hyponatremia
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, so this can cause very very uh, severe um, health issues and um, in 2015 There was a guy from Australia racing in Frankfurt, and he died because of hyponatremia. Oh, seriously. Okay. In um, in hyponatremic brain, and they tried to to uh, yeah. It's a it's a serious.
2: It's definitely like a health emergency if it gets bad enough.
0: Yeah, it is. It is.
2: Okay, so let's talk about. um, So you so you mentioned that uh, in addition to the fluid that we're drinking, uh, we need to have sodium and glucose. So let's talk about what is optimal in terms of in terms of concentrations and this is a really big conversation and actually you know as uh, as the athletes that I coach are getting close to racing big events at least the ones in the in the United States are our Canadian events sadly are still mostly not not running this year um, but as, as people are getting ready and they're doing their long workouts and they're really starting to think about this um, they're trying to optimize those those three variables of, of fluid um, glucose or carbohydrate, let's say, and and sodium. Uh, how do you think about the appropriate concentrations uh, and the appropriate maybe amounts of uh, of those elements in someone's uh, you know nutrition and hydration strategy?
0: Okay, for for the carbs, I would like to say as much as possible, as mm-hmm. much as your as your your <laughs> stomach tolerates. So yep. should be training the gut. Should be um, um, should be. In every athlete's mind, yes. Because um, years ago, I, I started with uh, with a rule of thumb, maybe one gram of carbs per uh, each kilogram of body weight per hour. So okay. maybe a seventy five seventy five uh, kilo guy, he, he had to use uh, seventy five grams of carbs an hour. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not depending on on the body weight. It's depending on on the um, the ability of your gi uh, system how much carbs you can handle so you have to train it like uh, like a swim bike run uh, you have to train your nutrition and this is this is this is a, one of the biggest mistakes people can do wh- when it comes to ironman because they train every every single day for weeks for months or even for years and then mm-hmm nutrition is just yeah well, we we'll see what's going on maybe if i if i ask them um <laughs> if i ask them, what's their strategy and i said oh, i will see maybe the day before the race i will go to the expo area and get some some gels or whatever <laughs> so gels. they, they don't think about it and this yeah. is you're laughing it's, i mean it's 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 funny on the one hand but on the other hand it's it's yeah. sad because you, you're you going to ruin damage. your day yeah yeah you can damage everything and uh, so this is this should be really Focus maybe in the in the last eight to twelve weeks um, bef- before the race. So mm-hmm. training the gut, getting or getting an idea of which product can can deliver the amount of carbs you, you definitely need. And mm-hmm. so I would like to say so eighty 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 to hundred grams should be should be doable for 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 most of the athletes. Mm-hmm. And in terms of fluid, I would like to say it, it's depending on the sweat rate. And the sweat rate is the amount of sweat you're losing in an hour maybe. And if it's, um, if it's around uh, maybe 500 to 750 milliliters you're, you're sweating, it should replenish maybe 350 to 500 milliliters of water an hour.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If it's 1 to 1.5 liters of sweat... Maybe 750 milliliters of of water in in the race strategy, and if you're losing more than 1.5 liter of sweat, um, it should be kept with um one liter, so 1,000 uh, milliliters of, of water, in yeah in in the in the strategy.
2: So how do you test that, Mario? Before we before we before we go, how do you test sweat rate? What's your, What's your preferred method?
0: It's, it's the easiest one, weighing weighing the body. So so yeah, yeah. before before training, naked. I mean, you have to change your clothes. So so stand up the scale um, and uh, measure your body weight. Um, afterwards, um, yeah, I mean, you have to shower afterwards, so you have to take off your clothes. So it's very easy, I think. And yeah, um, yeah maybe sw- swipe away the the, the 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 sweat with a with a towel. Mm-hmm. And afterwards stand up on the scale again and you will see the the the, the weight difference mm-hmm. and if you want to make it very um uh very clear you have to to weight the the drinks you're consuming in that mm-hmm. in that session um and if you want to make it more scientific you have to weigh the pee if yeah. if you if you if you lose some some fluid in that way yep. um but um and And you have to to write down maybe the the conditions weather um, uh, temperature humidity uh if it's indoor if it's outdoor if it's indoor with a fan without a fan um and um of course the intensity makes a big difference mm-hmm. and um so you have to do it maybe three to four times a week just to get an idea of uh of how many liters or milliliters of sweat you're losing in in a certain uh, it's certain conditions and if it's mm-hmm. race week maybe on monday you will uh, check your weather app on on, on the smartphone and uh, get an idea of how many uh, of, of what kind of weather you are um, you have to to deal with on, on race day and look at the column um maybe 25 degrees uh, anticipated uh, weather conditions mm-hmm. and you will get an idea of how many uh, milliliters of sweat you're losing in an hour
2: right have, do you have any experience with the new gatorade patch i don't know if you've seen that the product that they've come out they they it's a it's a skin patch you wear it on your forearm yep. and it's supposed to show yep. sweat rate and sodium and sodium concentration we haven't talked about yet listeners but it, it measures sweat rate i was just wondering if you've had any experience using it
0: it's not available in, in europe i am, mm. i really want to get my hand on it but <laughs> it's not available in, in europe we can't get it in canada either and
2: i have an athlete in uh, in south carolina uh, in the united states who's using it and he keeps sending me photos i'm like you just, just put a few, put a couple in the mail for me and and send them my way because uh, I wanna I wanna play around with it too. So he's getting uh, reasonably consistent results. We think we think we are one not, we're hundred percent sure, but um, he's he's doing the weight test now.
0: I don't see any sorry, get rate, but I don't see any sense in it because sweat rate differs. Sweat rates sweat race, uh, can can be five hundred milliliters or can three thousand milliliters. Uh, Depending on intensity and depending on weather, so if you totally. if you wear that patch once, yeah, you get only an idea of that of that of that single session. So I'm not I'm I'm not sure if it's if it really works or if it's worth the money to spend.
2: To be fair to Gatorade, they say that you have to do at least four tests, and they say the exact same thing. They say like you know, uh, in cool conditions, low intensity, high intensity, and then in hot, humid conditions, low intensity, high intensity. So they say you need to do a baseline of four tests, and then from there you can do the calculation. But to your point, the sweat rate test of just weighing yourself in the nude—that's the simplest thing there is, right? I mean, it's you don't need any fancy metrics, and you know, provided you account for the 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 drinks you drink and the pee you you expel, um, you're you're going to be you know you've got yep. a very good accurate measurement and that doesn't require any kind of third-party gizmos that you may or may not have very much confidence in so yeah uh, i'm with you 100 on the on the sweat rate. but let's get to sodium concentration um that's a little bit trickier isn't it
0: it is because it's um, there's a, a big spread it's um, precision hydration did a lot of testing and i did a lot of testing in germany for them or with them and um, I've seen big differences uh, in sweat sodium concentration losses per per liter, so it varies between two hundred and thirty milligrams per liter of okay. sweat sodium loss, and um, and can be up to two thousand three hundred milligrams. So hmm. it's ten times wow. the, the the amount. So it shows there that there isn't any chance of for for a rule of thumb maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It's 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 not that easy um, to 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 create a, a nutrition strategy without having an idea of how much uh, sodium you lose in in a liter of sweat.
2: Okay, so how do you find that? How do you test it? Obviously, precision hydration is one is 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 the answer probably. But uh, anything it, else it that is, you know it's, of?
0: It's, it is the answer. It's the yeah. answer, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so you're doing the advanced test, and so I don't want any to do any commercial for precision hydration or for my service, but but it's the only way to to get it in a in a very profound way. Mm-hmm. There's some different uh, other other um, uh, chances or ideas of um, of losing the uh, of, of measuring that uh, sweat sodium um, concentration with some sweat patches. Uh-huh. But um, I think if they are not uh, that accurate because of you have to do it in, into a session and the, the precision equation test is uh, you're just sitting at my office and uh, drinking having a coffee and uh, having a chat <laughs> yeah. and and that's it's quite easy. But uh, the, the other ha- the other system is you have to um, to do um, a test on the maybe on the on the turbo trainer or on the treadmill mm-hmm. and um, have different sweat patches and. Uh, so, Sweats or the, 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 the numbers can can um, differ because of uh, evaporation of the of the fluid. So I hmm, did some okay. some comparison and seen that uh, the sweat patches have higher concentrations higher concentrations in, in sodium loss um, because of um, because of evaporation of the fluid.
2: Interesting okay so, so you're actually getting some experimental error because the the, the water evaporates.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay. So so it's slightly slightly higher than than with a with the with the precision hydration test. So okay, so let's so so let's say we do
2: we do the 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 pH test or whoever's test you know uh, we love yeah. you know we, we like precision hydration on the show, but let's let's make it non <laughs> non marketing. No, no,
0: no, no commission, no commission. No, yeah, yeah, no yeah, that's yeah. right. Um,
2: so let's say you get you know you have good confidence in your in your sweat concentration. So that's the concentration of the sodium and the sweat lost, and you've done the 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 nude uh, weight test, and so you know what your sweat rate is. And you have those two things. Yeah. Uh, what is your you know supplement strategy, you, you took us through how much fluid you want to try to replace, and it's up to a liter per hour, but you know some percentage of the fluid lost. Yeah. What, um, what about yeah. sodium? If you know what your sodium concentration is, are you trying to match that in the water that you take in?
0: Yeah, I, I, would, like, I would like to, to have a, an example, maybe. Please. An average person loses lose around, lose around 1,000 milligrams or 950 milligrams, 1,000 milligrams um, per liter. Okay. And an average sweat rate in a, in an in an Ironman race in hot conditions, an average sweat rate sh- should be around 1.5 liters. So it's 1,500 milligrams of loss in, uh, in 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 an hour. And I would like to to compensate it uh, up to 80 percent of it okay. in in the, on on the bike because on the bike you you have your logistics you can carry all that stuff around and you will <laughs> the bike is doing
2: have... all the hard work
0: <laughs> the bike is yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true and the new tt Superbikes, they've got a lot of storage options so you can mm-hmm. carry kilos of um, of uh, of sodium with you around yeah. not just kidding but but um it's easier to calculate because on the run you don't have uh, you, you never know how how much fluid you get with each cup mm-hmm. and and it's uh, it's it's it should be without a deficit coming from the bike so if you're into t2 after after the bike um, if you if you compensate 80% of your of your uh, of losing amount of, of sodium there should be a smaller chance of suffering from or, or you're yeah, suffering from from hyponatremia, mm-hmm. on the one hand, on the one other hand, you the performance l- decrease should be a little bit smaller. Got because it. if if you um, if you don't um, take care of your blood plasma, the the, the blood is getting more visit. more viscous. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about the viscosity, sorry. The blood pressure is is increasing, and your heart has to pump more and heavier to get that um biscuit, um fluid through the through the veins to the to the blood system, so usually the heart rate is is raising is is increasing and performance is getting bad or worse yeah so um so and if you try to eliminate that that gap between um the heart rate and the, the 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 performance you have to take care of your blood plasma because if the blood is getting is is fluid enough um it's uh, delivers the oxygen mm-hmm. uh, to the muscles it delivers the 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 carbs to the to the to the muscles and without that and if if your blood is getting thicker and thicker so the 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 speed of traveling through through the rains uh, decrease and um, and performance is definitely decreasing as well this is a
2: really interesting point um, that you that you bring up because I think I heard this on maybe Kali Moore's podcast again. I keep referencing Kali's show and Michael's show because they're they're just such smart guys. But the 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 when your viscosity of the blood plasma goes up, right? Like I mean, you still have all the, you know, red blood cells, white blood cells in there, so as you lose yep. fluid, it becomes more more it becomes thicker, more viscous as you say. And yes, your heart has to work harder, but also there is um, and I heard it <laughs> I heard it on a podcast. There is uh there's greater resistance of, of travel through the circulatory system especially in those microcapillaries that that oxygenate all our yeah. muscle beds right so if you're if you're dealing with a more viscous fluid and you know you're 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 looking at it through a large artery or vein somewhere near somewhere in your torso or Let's say in the start of your limbs, then maybe that's not as big an issue. But when you're getting into the really small, very mi- almost microscopic blood vessels that are right in the muscle beds, which are the ones feeding all those all those hardworking muscles, that's where like blood plasma viscosity really can can bite you in the ass and and not and and really limit the amount of oxygen being delivered to the muscles. And you don't need to be a sports scientist to understand that if you're limiting blood flow to the to the working muscles, then performance is not going to be great.
0: It is. So you're right. That's true.
2: Yeah. So um, I have a logistics question for you, which is, um, so you said you, you're trying to, um, you're trying, if you know your, your sodium concentration accurately from a test, you're trying to replenish about 80% per hour sodium loss. Um, now, When we when you talked about fluid, you were talking about you know again you weren't going up to the sweat rate. So if your sweat rate is a liter an hour, you were saying I think you said seven hundred and fifty milliliters maybe. So if you are um, so, does that mean that you're making those bottles a little bit more concentrated because you're getting less fluid in than fluid leaves? Um, And so are you? Do you have to increase the the sodium concentration in those bottles to still get eighty percent of the sodium that you lose? Do you understand what I'm asking? Because you're you're getting less fluid in. Or are you taking supplemental sodium that's outside of the fluid, like in salt caps or in gels or in other forms?
0: It depends on the amount of of of, of loss. Um okay. If if there's a guy who who has a concentration of maybe five fifteen hundred milligrams per liter, and he's sweating two liters, it's three three thousand milligrams. So so he he has to to take in 2,400 four, 2, milligrams per hour. Yep. That won't uh, work with uh, with um, salt tablets because they contain usually around 200 to 250 milligrams. So you, you, you're you doing have to be nothing. Eating else them all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that's going to happen. Um, so if if that person from that example has to 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 get an idea of 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 how he can get that um, sodium into the system, you have to to work with maybe some some uh, electrolytes tablets you can mm-hmm. you can put them in the water if, mm-hmm. if you take water from the aid station uh to your drink system in the in, in, in between the bars or um, on the bike uh, you you throw that that tablet into into the system and usually it contains between 500 to 7 750 milligrams of mm. of sodium so it's a a higher amount or a higher, higher number um if it's a usual or an average um an average loss of maybe thousand to twelve hundred milligrams um you have to uh to look on the other hand how m- much sodium you get in with your gels or mm-hmm. your drinks or your bars mm-hmm. and the difference you have to take it with a with a with a sweat tablet, like um like from precision hydration or salt stick or whatever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's for me it's easier to calculate with tablets mm-hmm. because if you take a, a pill you know I've got two hundred milligrams in or two hundred fifty yes. milligrams in. Yes, and um, it's easier to calculate because of the of the um yeah accumulating fatigue into the Ironman, maybe at 130, 140 kilometers. You're, 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 you're getting dizzy and mm-hmm. uh, you can't,
2: uh, um, you can't do mash sure on the bike.
0: It, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's easier to, um, to, to do it with uh with the pills
2: sure sure that makes a lot of sense um and so as far as uh as far as other sodium intervention um where do you fall on preloading with sodium uh if you know you're you're going into a long course race that's hot is that something you do are there any contraindications so any reasons not to do it for people
0: no i'm, I'm a big fan of sodium loading in 2010 i i, I created the f- first protocol it's um it was every fifteen minutes, twelve times. So in in total, three thousand milligrams of sodium. It was twelve, twelve salt stick or salt cap uh, mm-hmm. pills,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Um, each containing two hundred and thirty milligrams. Mm-hmm. So in total, it was around three thousand milligrams, and each with eighty milliliters of water. That was my protocol in two thousand and ten.
2: And when? And when? How far before race start? On,
0: on, on the on the night before the race.
2: Night before. Okay.
0: Okay. And uh, in the morning, I I, I prescribed uh, four of these pills, mm-hmm. so around a thousand milligrams um, on on race morning. So my idea was to um, to protect the blood plasma and trying to bridge over the time when you're when you're swimming, because if it's if you swim, the, the average age group athlete swimming around fifty five to eighty five minutes, maybe and sometimes the water temperature is high but not high enough um uh, for for a non wetsuit swim sometimes it's 24 degrees and you have to swim with a wetsuit mm-hmm. and uh, it's getting really hot and uh, people are really sweating in 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 uh, during the swim and yeah
2: and people don't don't appreciate that fact that they they don't realize how much they're sweating in the water i think
0: yeah, because you don't so see if, it.
2: You're, you're like, yeah, your wetsuit's yeah. wet, but you don't know if it's sweat or if it's or if it's just you know water that that comes in from the environment. E-
0: exactly, and so I really recommend to to do the sweat rates measurements, not only on the bike, on the run, on, mm. on, on the swim as well, for before and after swimming. Yeah. So so back to the back to the lo- loading. Um, mm-hmm. If you um, if you um, if you want to protect your your blood plasma, you should take care of it to get some sodium into mm-hmm. the system with my protocol from 2010 it was too much because if you consume too much salt
1: mm-hmm.
0: there is as a result you're getting thirsty and if you're you're getting thirsty you drink and if you drink you you feel the need to pee and i mean the the night bef- the night before the race it's totally crap for sure and and if you have to pee that night several times; the, the whole night is damaged, and
2: yeah, you are not sleeping, and you probably lose a lot of blood plasma through your urine, right? Because I mean, urine is just filtered plasma too.
0: Exactly, it was too much, so I lowered the amount of of, uh, of sodium in the, in the in the loading protocol, and now it's uh, around seven hundred fifty to milli- uh, seven hundred fifty to uh, one thousand milligrams of um, of sodium um, the night before, and the same amount on, on race morning. Oh, so it's um, a lot lower so,
2: than it was before.
0: It, it, yeah. And I, I didn't see any benefits of of getting more, mm-hmm. um, more sodium into into the system. Um, uh, and it was c- uh, counterproductive because of that um, uh, peeing scenario.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: So 1,000 maximum the night before 1,000 on, on race morning. That's Got it. Uh, That's my loading protocol. Just to bridge over the time in, in, in the water. Yeah. Um, and make sure that uh, you don't lose too much of the blood plasma during the swim
2: and is that does that depend on how hot the race is, or in, does that depend on the sodium concentration of the athlete, or is it just universal
0: Th- This is universal i think okay. yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. makes sense but in in, in uh, during the race you should uh, you should know your sweat concentration to 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 get the 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 right amount of sodium back into, into the system that should be should be no rule of thumb
2: Got it. Yeah. So, um, staying with sodium for one more one more point. Um, when we corresponded over email, uh, you suggested that you'd done some testing, and of course, you know this is coach testing. This is the kind of testing that I do. We're not in the lab, but this is you know our in our garage or in our basement or with our athletes outside somewhere um, where you use the core uh, body temperature sensor, which I happen to really like myself. Um, and you you said you you you, you saw evidence that um, that you know. Co- Sodium intake, correct sodium intake, or high sodium intake, um, reduced core body temperature. Can you talk a little bit about that experiment and what you found?
0: Yeah, I I'm a really early adopter adopter of um, of the core sensor. I'm maybe the I don't know maybe the the the, the, fir, the first guy in Germany is using it. Okay, um, cool. Um, outside of team team Hans uh, Hanscore uh, from, yeah. from the cycling team, they're using it maybe a little bit uh, earlier, but um, but first of all, I, I really want to get an idea or, or find some patterns, and so I, I started testing with some of my athletes, athletes, and uh, uh, w- which have a lot of compliance, maybe, which can deliver um, accurate data. And mm-hmm. I, I really want to, to. First of all, I want to collect some data. That that was my my first uh, aspect, and then i i tried to to find that patterns i first of all i did some sodium um intake before the uh, before the, before the test i did it with uh, different temperatures i did um testing w- without caffeine with caffeine mm-hmm. to to get an idea of uh, of the um, of the influence of caffeine um in in uh, increasing the core body temperature mm-hmm. and i i seen I mean, it did it only with, uh, I think, eight eight athletes, but I definitely see that, that there is a pattern. If you take caffeine right before the the um, the session or the test,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you will have a slightly faster increase in core body temperature, which leads okay. to a faster um, um, uh, reaching to that critical temperature, which is very individual. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I I would not. Recommends uh, taking caffeine just as a regular supplement. Um, people are, aren't uh, aware of uh, of the, the potential of damage from from caffeine. If you look at some of the athletes, they are consuming twenty gels in in, in, in an Ironman bike race, mm-hmm. 180 kilometers each, containing 150 milligrams of of caffeine. It's a Whoa. huge amount. You definitely Whoa. see that because <laughs> people, people people don't think about it. And if you get 12, 12, uh, 20, 20, gels with 150 milligrams of, of, uh, caffeine, that's it's a milligrams. It's yeah,
2: that's, that's, an insane I don't know. Amount.
0: It's 25 cups or 30 cups of, of coffee. Yeah. So nobody will drink it in an usual day. So this should be a little bit more um, conservative and you, you have c- caffeine is an etrogenic ad- 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 aid and you will definitely have some, some advantages. Some performance advantages, but you should uh, be a little bit more aware of, of uh, the potential of uh, increasing the, the core body temperature.
2: That's interesting. That's one thing that I've never i would never considered. And uh, and when we corresponded, you you mentioned it. I was I was really keen to hear your thoughts on it. But what about sodium? So when you what did you find about sodium concentration intake uh, or sodium intake on on core body temperature?
0: Yep. Yeah. But when when I did the test with sodium loading with, without sodium loading, I definitely see that the core temperature isn't raising that quick that, that fast than, than without uh, sodium. And my conclusion was or is that um, if you do some some loading, some sodium loading, um, you're protecting the blood plasma and you have or expand the blood plasma, so you have more fluid to 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 sweat. And uh, this helps to keep the, the body longer cool. And um, this was my conclusion. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not only my conclusion. I uh, read some, some uh, papers about it. And uh, it's, uh, they are in the same opinion or same, same conclusion.
2: So this is, I just want to make sure I understand. Um, the, you're talking about specifically loading before the exercise, or are you talking about uh, modulating the intake during exercise, di- in- sodium intake during exercise?
0: So, so these these tests were uh, around um one hour maybe on the mm-hmm. on the on the on the treble trainer okay. so i didn't do some sodium intake during that session only uh, as a loading protocol before uh because i think an hour is it's too short it doesn't make sense to 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 get an idea of it.
2: Agreed. Oh, so then, then did you did you notice that that was the actual? Did you actually weigh these athletes as well to get sweat rate? So did you notice that there was yeah. that they were losing yeah. less? So their sweat rate was lower with sodium loading, or was was your is your hypothesis that there was just more blood plasma volume to begin with? So even though the sweat rate is the same, you're still when you finish your one hour or however long it was, you still have more blood plasma to work with.
0: No, it's you. You could see that there's a little bit less, a little bit less. Um, sweat okay i was confused because I, I i thought if you expand the plasma the amount of sweat should be higher that was my that was my 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 thought but i i, I could see that um it's um, it's less and i i don't know why so I, I can definitely see that pattern but i don't know why and i was talking with some of the researcher from 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 germany and he didn't have an answer, so hmm. I, I don't know why. But it's 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 a little bit less. Um, it's less sweat and a and a and a delayed increase in core body temperature. So interesting. A, a bottom line is it's not that bad. I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think we've covered uh, we've covered nutrition and hydration um, reasonably well obviously we Mario we can talk about this all day long there's so many so many follow up questions and little rabbit holes that we can go down into, but uh, I want to talk a little bit about the training interventions that you mentioned so your protocols for uh, getting folks adapted to um, to racing in hot conditions. Uh, And there's a lot of them out there, you know, anyone, any listeners, you can go out there and Google, you know, heat training adaptations, and you'll find all sorts of descriptions and and discussions on this. But uh, Mario, I want to hear your, your approach to this. Uh, Is this for everybody? Because I know that you can do this as just you, you can do it for a couple of reasons. For example, you've got an athlete going to a hot race. It's a very good reason to do this, or maybe just to, to improve fitness because there are some fitness improvements from uh, from uh, heat stress adapta- heat stress training. So um, maybe let's split those into two separate categories and let's start with. Uh, let's just say you want you're just looking for fitness adaptations. Um, what's your protocol like, and what do you think the, the the positive effects are from it?
0: So maybe first of all, people are getting a little bit more confidence if if they mm. if they made the experience. With a heat struggle in a race, um, and uh, they have to—they signed in a race with a potential hot weather condition. Mm-hmm. They uh, they have to be confident. That's it's main main aspect, I think. That's a good point. And if they if they have to deal with the heat in certain blocks in in the in in, in training, mm-hmm. they gain a lot of confidence this is this is the main aspect and it's not physiologically it's, it's psychologically so so this, this is a, a big big aspect because you you can be trained as a, as a world champ if you're if the central governor doesn't doesn't uh, deliver the conf- confidence you don't uh, will be successful in yeah you you reasons, can't
2: express your fitness is kind of like the yeah yeah, yeah the turn of yeah. phrase that i like yeah i totally agree with you
0: yeah so this is one aspect the other aspect is for producing more blood plasma
1: mm-hmm.
0: with uh, with um with uh, training in hot conditions or in or being in sauna or the, or or in hot water immersion
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it's a pretty clear, uh, clear benefit of the the psychological adaptation, and then the the physiological adaptation that you just mentioned of the increase of in blood plasma volume. Those are two big gains. I think there's just for those two gains, there's there's reason enough to do heat uh, heat training. Is there anything else that we're missing?
0: For for me, these two aspects are enough. I I, I would like to say heat training has the same potential of performance gaining like altitude training oh. and. I, okay. I made some bad experiences with the altitude training because, it, on the one hand, it's expensive to to travel to a certain sure. area, and um, uh, the, the responses are very individual. I've seen mm. some res- very good response responses, some non responding athletes, and um, uh, coming back from from altitude um, uh, right before a race, it's it's difficult to to get the correct time before the race, sometimes two weeks, sometimes mm-hmm. three weeks, uh, two days, to three days. It's, it's very, it's very experimental and you can't anticipate if an athlete is, um, is a responder, non-responder. So uh, for me, it, it is, it is not safe enough. And um, I've seen so many good results from, from heat adaptation training. I would like to say ninety-five to ninety-nine percent of uh, of every athlete has the the, wow. the, the responding um, answers or responding reactions or, or performance um, uh, gains with with heat training. So for me, it's it's easier because you don't have to travel. You have you can do it at home with uh, putting on the heat and uh, with a, with a heater or, or uh, riding on the on a turbo trainer, going to the sauna afterwards or doing a hot water immersion. It's it's quite easy. It's cheap. Okay. It's easy and it's a very safe way. Let's talk about it.
2: Yeah, tell us tell us what your protocols are. Like, um, wh- how do you how do you go about it? You know, sort of what sort of workout intensity are you looking at when you're doing adaptation training? If you're actually training in an elevated temperature environment, yep. or maybe you know, I'll talk about sauna or hot water immersion. You know, post training, pre training, how do you do it?
0: First, first of all, it it depends on the on the. Date or the phase of the training year of the, t- okay. of the season. If it's close to, to, wet, uh, to, to uh, close to competition, or if it's it, it, in a winter, uh, it's it, this is a big difference. Mm-hmm. Usually, I in a heat training block, it's usually around five to eight days long. Okay. Um, there isn't any intensity. It's only so you will would like to say zone one to zone two training in Germany. We say GA1, G That means yeah. "Grundlagen Ausdauer eins." It's a <laughs> yeah. it's a difficult difficult word even for me as a German speaker. Um, uh, so so this is um, th- there should be no intensity. Got it. Because intensity plus heat stress combined could be. A big stressor and uh, could uh, lead easily to overreaching, a non-functional overreaching, or even overtraining. Mm-hmm. So they so have to be very careful with the intensity. Um, mm-hmm. Or you can mix it with uh, intensity, um, the focus training in the morning mm-hmm. and in, in the afterwards, uh, in the afternoon. Sorry, um, doing maybe a, a one-hour turbo session. Uh, under heat conditions mm-hmm. um, uh, with, a, with an easy intensity and afterwards 20 minutes in the sauna. This could be a, a mixture of both. Or um, if you're if you have the the chance to travel to to um, an area with hot conditions, maybe like Thailand or mm-hmm. or, 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 or Asia Canada right now,
2: because like Canada you know, or British Columbia, yeah, yeah, if you're British Columbia or even even Alberta, like there, yeah, it's uh, it's it's stupid hot, and even Ontario right now, you know, it's it's like it's you know outside, I think it's maybe 29 degrees and 75 percent humidity, and it's sunny, so that's like that's pretty warm, you know. Put all those it, things it is, together, yeah. yeah
0: so you will definitely have the the benefits of heat adaptation during a no, normal training without any have, having any focus on on heat adaptation uh, right now in, in your area in Germany we've got 25 degrees today um but uh, it looks like like some rain yeah. but back back to the protocol if you if you can you, you travel to 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 an area or do it at home i prefer at home because mm-hmm. Travel is always stress. On the other hand, if somebody wants to spend uh, some some days uh, in a different area, I don't I don't care. If you if you got the money and get the logistics, it's okay. Yeah. But at home, it's 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 quite easy because you, you only need um, a turbo trainer and uh, put on the heater yeah. to a 27, twenty seven twenty twenty five to twenty eight degrees uh, Celsius and no fan and uh, just riding and. Um, Sometimes I give an advice about hydration and clothing. Okay. means sometimes in the training plans it says uh, in the last 20 minutes no fluid and then in the last 20 minutes of the session um, maybe put on some uh, wind jackets or mm-hmm. an, an additional layer just mm-hmm. to increase the body temperature and directly afterwards uh, go to the sauna if you get the sauna at home. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't have one, go to a bath, uh, to the bathroom and uh, um, uh, put on some some water in uh, maybe 38 to 40 degrees Celsius and Mm -hmm. try to spend in that hot water 15 to 20 minutes. And um, that should be a a big heat stress trigger. Mm -hmm. Um, So so that's it. And it should be around four to five times a week. Okay. but you have to focus on, um, on replenishing the, 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 the fluid
1: mm-hmm.
0: with sodium, back to sodium right now. Yeah, um, of course. So, so uh, trying to get enough fluid back into the system to get recovered well for the next session.
2: You're replenishing the fluid after, let's say you're doing like hot water, you do your workout and then you do some hot water immersion. It's when you get out of the hot water or you get out of the sauna, that's when you start replenishing the fluid yeah. immediately afterwards, right?
0: Yeah. Not, not between, not between the training session and the sauna or, or, or the, 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 the water immersion afterwards. afterwards. Got it. And Got you have it. to, you really have to focus on being well hydrated before the session Mm-hmm. And if you, if you start the session in a slightly dehydrated status, it's, it's getting too, 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 um, too hard. Right. And
1: right.
0: usually I recommend uh, 750 milligrams of sodium like on the, on the night before the race. Mm. I, I re- recommend it um, every, every night during that heat block session
2: makes sense and then and uh how many of these heat blocks would you do in preparation for a race is this like you know you said four to five sessions per week how long is the how many weeks is is a single block
0: i I would recommend maybe four to five blocks if you start early maybe in the winter so every six six seven weeks uh, or five five to six weeks i i i would like to to implement one of these heat blocks Mm -hmm. and um the last one, maybe ten days before the race, or if you tra- if you travel to um, to uh, the race venue and have to face with, I um, have to deal with uh, the, the the conditions at race venue and it's hot.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: enough to get re get a, it's enough to get a re um, um, adaptation. Uh, I think it depends on where the race is taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's in hot conditions, you don't have to take um, uh, last block of heat adaptation ten days before. If right. you want to have performance gains, even in in moderate conditions, if you're racing mm-hmm. maybe uh, Ironman Copenhagen, it's uh, always around twenty to twenty two degrees. And you, but you want to expand your blood plasma volume, you can you can do that mm-hmm. um, last. Uh, a few days of heat training and the, the week before the race.
2: The week before race week. Yes. Yes. That's important. And I just want to circle back to a point you made before that if you're training in the heat already, like let's say for example, you know, you've got a race coming up at the end of the summer and you're training for it now and it's hot, you know, depending on where you are. Um, do you, would you still, would you still prescribe specific heat blocks for those, for those athletes? Because if they're, you know, every day it's 30 degrees and it's humid or, or do you you need to spend any extra time doing heat training?
0: And usually, I would like to say if if it's if it's not a heat block, try to avoid the the heat and, mm, interesting. Okay. It, uh, and train in the morning or in the evening. I, pref- I prefer in the morning because the the, the air is fresh and it's uh, yeah. In the evening, it's, it's usually hot. It's, evening. It's getting hot. Yeah, that's true. Um, and if you would like to to use it as a heat uh, stress training or heat adaptation training. Yeah, you have to, to 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 train maybe around noon, but
2: um, middle of the day. Yeah.
0: yeah, all day. Yeah, yeah. But but you have to be careful. That that's that's true.
2: Totally. I that that totally makes sense.
0: And you have to take care of uh, sodium. You have to take care of uh, intensity, um, and yeah, maybe lower a little bit the intensity because of the additional heat stress. Uh, I would like to recommend maybe fifteen to twenty watts less on the bike if it's uh, h- higher or more than 30 degrees celsius mm. um just to get the same amount of physiological stress without without having the risk of uh having too much stress in in, in the system so it, it should be a little bit a little bit less but on the other hand if you're only training or always training with uh, with uh, lower intensity you will have Potential risk of uh, detraining effects. So I mean, it means we have yeah, to
2: because the the peripheral the peripheral stimulus is smaller. Yeah,
0: exactly. So so this this should be well balanced. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. No, that's a that's an excellent point.
0: Yeah. If you, if you need some intensity or if if it's uh, on a longer period, hot, you you have to ve- be very careful with with these detraining effects. And if you if you so if you need that intensity in the training you should do it in the morning to make sure, to be mm-hmm. sure that you get the right amount of uh, of uh, stimulus or intensity for for as a mechanical stress maybe not yes. like physiologically mechanically yeah.
2: That's a really interesting – that's a really, really I, – I think it's an excellent point. I'm really glad you brought that up because, um, yeah, it's hard to do quality intense work. So, you know, for – for you know, when I advise my guys what to do is I, ideally you do indoor, right? You do treadmill, you do trainer, you know, turbo trainer in an, in an air-conditioned environment with a, with a good fan where you can keep the, the temperature down so you can do some quality work. That's a great point. Um, one, yeah. uh, one other question I have for you, Mario, on, the, on uh, thermal stress training. Is if you are one of those lucky folks who has a core temperature sensor, um, do you how do you incorporate that into uh, into your heat training? Because my my guess, and I haven't actually, and this is my fault, I haven't gone through the the full process of testing with core and and then you know finding my own critical temperature, other than very. Kind of ad hoc. Um, how do you? How can you use a device that measures core temperature in your in your heat training? Are you trying to? You know, you would probably test to figure out some kind of threshold, and then are you trying to stay at that threshold, stay some percentage of that threshold for how long? Can you take us through the process with the core sensor?
0: Yeah, the core sensor is is a is a game changer, definitely. Before that, uh, it was only the, the the chance of of getting results. In in core body temperature with with swallowing the 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 thermometer pills.
2: Yeah, and they're and like eighty dollars a piece. Yeah. yeah, they're very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, it's only for three days, and then it comes out, yeah. and it's only a single use product. It's definitely a yeah.
1: single use product.
0: Yeah, But um and before that, um heat adaptation was maybe some kind of black box uh, training. So you try to. To stay in a fixed or in a clamped um, um, wattage or intensity or in a, in a fixed or clamped um, heart rate, but now you have the chance to to train with a with a um, yeah with a fixed temperature.
1: Mm-hmm. This is
0: this is slightly new. I would like to say, and it's 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 pretty pretty good because if you do a, a heat ramp up test to get. An idea of what your critical core body temperature is, mm-hmm. you, c- you know which which uh, should be the the target uh, temperature for for the heat training, or heat adaptation training.
2: Can you take us through that test actually, just uh, if if you don't mind what the what the protocol is for the heat ramp test with the core sensor? Yeah,
0: usually I'm not a big fan of FTP, a functional threshold power, but in mm-hmm. this case it's it, it makes a little bit sense to get <laughs> okay. an idea of it. Sure. And, so you, you start with uh, 55% of your of your um, FTP, mm-hmm. uh, riding f- f- five minutes in a uh, uh, 27 um, degrees Celsius conditions mm-hmm. on a turbo trainer. 55% five minutes, and every um, five minutes I like to to, um, to push the watts. 8% from 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 uh, from each 5 minutes um, section mm-hmm. and um, to a, a certain point maybe 80, uh, 38.5 degrees celsius core body temperature and afterwards try to keep as long as possible in this temperature temperature range 38.5 mm-hmm. degrees and if the the um, power is declining or heart rate is declining
1: mm-hmm.
0: around 10 to five uh, 10 to 15 percent um you stop that's it and you will get an, an idea of what your critical core body temperature is so wait but if you're
2: holding it at 38 if you're only holding, holding it at thirty-eight and a half and you're you're watching your power decline to keep it at 38 and a half um so what's the what's the critical temperature is it 38 and a half or what uh, how would you determine it
0: you know, usually i would like to to add maybe one uh, sorry 0.4 this is my formula 0.4 okay. degrees plus so it's uh, 38.9 in, in this case but usually afterwards the 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 um, the core body temperature is raising a little bit mm-hmm. so is, this is not only the the the, the single test i'm doing it, i i like to have before the heat ramp up test i would like to have more data Mm-hmm. With uh, in, in normal in a normal tra- train conditions, not in heat heat training, just during the normal training, if you wear the core body temperature and collect some data, you get an idea of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is if if somebody is having a higher temperature or a lower lower temperature. So mm-hmm. the heat heat wrap up test is only a small piece of um, of uh, of it, and. Okay maybe it's a little bit it's not scientific it's empirical i think but I'm, mm-hmm. i really mm-hmm. made some good ex, good experiences with it to add 0.3 to 0.6 degrees plus to that uh, 38.5 uh, um, benchmark
2: so but if you're going to that to, to that 38.5 benchmark with your core temperature um and what are you what are you looking for because you stop at 38.5 or you keep power steady or maybe it declines a little bit at 38.5 what is it that you're lo- what what's what are you looking for like how long can you hold that power like what does it tell you that you know i, I guess my question is what are you what's the measured variable in this experiment
0: it's it's a time it's okay. time time so okay. if, if you're reaching 38 5 uh, degrees and yeah. um how long it lasts if you if the power is declining that's, okay. that's this is my main aspect to 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 see that
2: oh i see okay okay Right. Yeah, and it's interesting. I I haven't done that ramp test. Or I think I did it once and I I had a really hard time getting my core temperature up. I I wasn't wearing enough clothes. I was doing it in the winter. And my basement's cold, and that that was my problem. I think it was just my basement was was too cold in the winter, and it was maybe only about it was like 17 degrees, which is perfect for training. It's so nice. Yeah. But um but and also dry. But uh maybe I'll I'll try it again in the yeah, you know, I'll go outside in the, in the garage where it's like 30 degrees and and,
0: tr- and try it there. This is not it's not scientific. It's it's I mean, it's a totally new topic and mm-hmm. uh, it's like 30 or 25 years ago with uh, implementing power meters in, in cycling or triathlon. It's, it's totally new. Mm-hmm. And you, for me, the, the main thing is having a ramp-up t- ramp test. Okay, it's, it's fine. But, but collecting the data and, and connecting it with that's what I've seen before the ramp-up ramp test, the ramp-up test as well. And uh, afterwards, the the heat training um, um, uh, files or the files from the from the heat adaptation training.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So maybe the first heat block is just collecting data, and afterwards you can you can you can. Um... <laughs> shit! Shit! Sorry! Sorry! I'm I'm, to- I'm getting totally tired. Um, <laughs> no no it's 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 no problem i'm getting tired i'm i'm totally tired right now um hold on hold on okay yeah in the first first heat block i i collect the information and um, maybe the second or third or fourth uh, heat block you will be more concrete um, you will isolate the vari- vari- variables <laughs> and um yeah. and, and, and you can and, be
2: more precise right like you can be a little yeah. bit more precise with your prescription that's what i was looking for precise there you go that was the yes. word
0: sorry okay. good yeah
1: okay
0: <laughs> you get you get more precise uh, uh, data and then you can definitely have an accurate number of critical power uh, critical uh, core body temperature
2: Afterwards. It's very interesting. I wonder too about, and my, I, like I said, my experiments uh, with core have been very ad hoc. Like I've been basically just playing around, I'm calling it collecting data, but now that it's proper hot and I'm, uh, uh, you know, I, I get, I get more interesting data, let's put it that way. Um, I'm finding what I'm, what I'm looking for is a temperature at which point I really feel hot. You know, at which, at which point my like, you know, very subjective perceived uh, experience is telling me you're, you're feeling hot and like, you know, there's certain symptoms that I get when I'm when I feel like I'm overheated. Um, and so I'm trying to correlate that feeling to the core temperature. And so then my thinking and again, purely anecdotal, I don't even have athletes that I've experimented on yet because no one's bought one of these yet other than me and um, to get uh, to get a sense of like okay if if and i think for me I'm, mine is low i start to feel symptoms that are at around 38.4 38.3 degrees Um, and I'm thinking like, okay, so if I'm, if I'm racing and I want to, and I'm worried about overheating and I'm looking at my, you know, at my core temperature readout, maybe I'm pacing myself so that I don't go above, you know, 38.1 or two until we're getting closer to the end of the, to the end of the race. That's been my own, just my own theory on, on how to use this device without any formal testing. Yeah, I'm I'm not,
0: I'm at this point, I'm not a. Big fan of using it in in the competition because.
2: Mm, okay. Uh, Interesting.
0: Wearing a heart rate monitor f- for some of the athletes, it's a uh, it's a potential of uh, skin irritation.
2: Mm, yes, true.
0: And they feel uncomfortable using it. And um, um, I, what what are you doing if it's if your core body temperature is, displays thirty eight point four uh, degrees Celsius, but you're mm-hmm. you're in the mix for a corner slot? Do you do you okay? Do you different story, yeah. Slow down, or what's what's the consequence? Yeah. So, so
2: that's right. I'm,
0: I'm not I'm not a big fan of it. You have to deliver some education to to the athletes um, to to um, uh, let them know what cooling strategies are there for for them in during the race and. I'm not a big fan of too too many numbers during the race. It's I mean, there's so many data, so many numbers on on the head unit, on the on the on the bike, or on on, on the wrist, in in terms of a, a watch. I'm not a big fan of it. Makes sense, but maybe if an athlete really has ma- made bad experiences with with heat and struggled a lot and. Uh, or even had a problem with a with a with a heat stroke for for these athletes wearing a um, a core sensor in during in, in the race in competition um makes sense for sure but uh, for other people i would i wouldn't recommend it in in the in the race for me it's a it's a excellent training tool but um in the race uh, you have it's to go not there to you have yeah have to you do points. it's true it's yeah.
2: absolutely true yeah it's it's way in in long course maybe it's a it's a it's a matter of not going too deep too early right but uh i take yeah, your point exactly
0: yeah
1: yeah but if I you if point.
0: you if you take care of your correct sodium uh supplements during the bike and uh in the run uh if you take care of uh cooling the the right areas of the body yeah. to to lower the the temperature um you can't uh yeah you don't need the, the core sensor in the,
2: the race I think that's so that's a that's a really good place to leave it and I know we wanted to talk about um uh, cooling interventions but I think we're the, the episode's already going a little bit long and maybe we this is an opportunity for us to bring you back on Mario to do a follow up with uh, with cooling interventions because this is something that Andrew and I and in Endurance Innovation is something you know something that we're very very interested in Um, but, uh, what I want to leave our listeners with perhaps is, is the point that you just made about, you know, having too much input when you are, when you're racing and at some point having to, you know, go by feel or having to make decisions based on, on, on what's going on. And I think that's a really important, uh, that's a really important point to make because, Especially in long course racing, um, the you know the the cognitive load is so high, and and as you as we fatigue, we're not only obviously you know fatiguing our bodies, but we're fatiguing our brains too. If we're lo- running low on glucose or and or l- running running low on blood plasma, our brains are are suffering those effects as well. And so we're you know we may not have the kind of the decision making faculties towards the end of a, a long hard race that we did in the beginning. So I think you make an excellent point that that adding an extra data point or an extra variable to confuse our poor tired brains at the end of a race may not be the best. Uh, may not be the best decision. So that makes a lot of sense. So uh, Mario, with that, I want to really thank you so much for uh, for taking the time and for uh, sharing your experience and uh, and thoughts on this topic. And it's it's one that uh, listeners, as you know, will will continue to explore because for us, for for me and Andrew. It's something that is uh, that is very near and dear to our, our own interests. So, Mario, um, where can people learn more about you, more about coaching, if they're interested in, uh, in you know, heat training or, or working with you or your team as uh, as an athlete? What's the best place to do that?
0: Yeah, I've got an, an internet uh, website. It's called sisu-training.de. Okay. Or sisu-training in one word on Instagram. Or sisu-training uh, on Facebook. Um but I, I usually coach only in, in German, as you can ex- expect, expect by my bad English today. But, um, but um, yeah, if, if somebody has uh, any questions, uh, drop an email. I'm, I'm really looking forward.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. And, I, I, you know, I, I think we do have some listeners in Germany, so they will... Uh, Maybe if they're interested, they can can reach out to you, especially if they're they're training for some hot weather races and they need a little bit of extra help. Um, And we'll put those links uh, to Instagram, Facebook, and your website in our show notes as well. So listeners, thank you as always for taking some time to uh, hang out with us and uh, hopefully learn something. And if you did, give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And then, of course, also tell your friends because that's the best way for us to grow our audience. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.